The following message is from King's Church 1066, based in Hastings, Bexhill and the surrounding area. For more information, head to our website, kings1066.org. Morning, it's great to be here this morning. Um, we're, for those of you who don't know, we're in a series at the minute called Abide. And we're almost at the end of the series. Um, I think this is the second to last Sunday, um, speaking on it. And this morning, I just want to look at one verse. When we were planning this series, there was one verse in particular that stood out to me that I thought, wouldn't it be great if, we, if someone spoke on that? I'll be honest with you, that was my only thought. And then lo and behold, the rotor came around and I'm down to speak on it. So I thought I'd better get some more thoughts on it. Um, but I'm qualified to speak on it because it's about falling away. And that is something I've done a couple of times in my Christian life. So the verse is this. It's in John 16, verse 1. If you've got a Bible, it's great for you to have that open. But you can see it on the screen if you haven't got one with you. And it says, I have said all these things to you to keep you from falling away. This is Jesus speaking. Those of you who've been around for this series will know we've been looking at John's Gospel, uh, chapters 14 onwards uh, into 17. I'm actually taking us back a little bit. It's a little bit out of sequence. But this is Jesus speaking to his followers, saying, I have said all these things to you to keep you from falling away. The context here, I know that if you've heard the series, you'll know this already. But just to recap, the, con- the context is Jesus has washed his disciples' feet. They've had their last supper together. Judas has already left to go and betray Jesus. Jesus has warned Peter that he's going to deny him three times. And this is Jesus' last teaching before he prays for his disciples. So he's saying, I've said all these things to you to keep you from falling away. All these things refers to all the things he has just said in the last few chapters, the things we've been looking at over the last couple of weeks. It's well worthwhile sitting down with your Bible at home and going through the chapters and looking at what does all these things refer to and make a list. I'm going to give you a few of them. There's loads of them. Jesus has told them, my father's house has many rooms and I'm going to prepare a place for you. He's told them he's coming back after he dies. He's told them they'll do greater things than they've seen him do. He's told them that loving him looks like obeying him. He's told them he's sending the Holy Spirit to help them. He's told them that he's giving them his own peace and joy. He's also letting them know that they'll be pruned for fruitfulness. And he's telling them what's about to happen, not only to him, but also to them. He's reassuring them that he loves them exactly the same way that the Father loves him. And then he's explaining that love actually looks like laying down your life for your friends. He tells them in this passage, you are my friends. And he tells them that the world's going to hate you because it hates him. He says you'll be persecuted. That's not even all of them. That's just several of the, all these things that have come before this point where Jesus says, I've told you so that you will not fall away. The words here for fall away can also be translated stumbling, giving up, abandoning your faith. Actually, the Greek word indicates two things. It indicates being entrapped, like kind of being tripped up, being caught in something unexpected 
but also being enticed to actually walk away from Jesus. What are some of the things that make us fall away? And obviously I'm talking predominantly here to those of us who know Jesus. No matter where you're at in your stage, whether you're new new to following Jesus, whether you've known him for a long time. There are lots of things that can cause us to go um, to follow Jesus with great zeal and enthusiasm, but then to fall away, to trip up or to walk away. There's loads of things, things like heartbreak and heartache, the painful things of life that happen to us. Things like doubt, which is normal and common, but it can cause us to walk away. Temptation and sin disappointment, distraction, isolation, even boredom. I've been a Christian for about 30 years now, and I want to share two examples of how I've fallen away from God in the past. The first one, I, to be honest, I feel like I could have listed most of those things and said, this is why I fell away. There was disappointment, there was discouragement, there was temptation to sin, and then throwing myself headlong in some ways into sin. Um, things in my life had not gone as planned by me and God was not doing what I wanted him to do. And I was upset and I was angry with God. And so I threw myself into sin. I didn't just kind of trip up. I actively walked away from God. I actively rebelled against him. I was angry with him and I wanted to run away. I wanted to chase after other things. And um, if, if you've been around in this church since I became a Christian, some of you might remember that time because my sin was not hidden. It was very public. It was, I was very open about it because I was, I was trying to walk away from Jesus. And so I was very open and people knew about it. People knew that I was a backslidden Christian. That's terminology that we would use. But a different type of falling away that I've also experienced in my own life is less obvious, but more dangerous. And that is drifting. Drifting away from Jesus. Basically, I stopped pursuing God privately. So if you'd looked at me on a Sunday morning, you probably wouldn't have been able to tell. I'm sure the people closest to me could tell, but on a Sunday morning, I'd have come along, I'd have sung the words, I'd have put my hands in the air probably, some of the time, some of the time not. If you'd spoken to me afterwards and asked how I was, I'd have told you, yeah, I'm fine, yeah, good. If you'd said something about what God was doing in your life, I'd have said, great, isn't that wonderful? But privately, I wasn't pursuing God at all. And on a Sunday morning, and even in small groups, I was just going through the motions. My heart had drifted from God and I was just lukewarm. I wasn't stone cold, but I wasn't on fire for God either. I was just lukewarm and to be honest, each day I was becoming more and more lukewarm until, to be honest, I wasn't really following Jesus anymore in my heart, even though outwardly I might have still looked like I was. And I think this is one of the most uh, dangerous positions we can be in. Drifting is often more dangerous than some of those more obvious things because when the more obvious things come along, like disappointment and doubt, we're, we're aware of them and we might talk to others about them and we might work through them. But when we're drifting, often it's just something that's happening privately in our heart. Often what it looks like is between coming to public church gatherings, not even really thinking about Jesus at all. And that was where I was at. 
One of the most dangerous positions of all, even more dangerous than drifting though, is thinking that we won't fall away. Thinking, well, it would never happen to me. I love Jesus. I'm not going to be one of those people who would fall away. 1 Corinthians 10 verse 12 says, Therefore, let anyone who thinks that he stands take care lest he fall. If we think we are beyond it, we either don't know ourselves very well or we haven't been a Christian very long and we haven't realised that actually any of us can fall. There's a similar warning in Galatians uh, verse, um, chapter 6 and verse 1 where the Apostle Paul says that basically if someone else is caught in sin and you're trying to restore them gently, which is what Paul says we should do, to try and restore people gently, he says, keep watch on yourself lest you too be tempted. Both Jesus and Paul warn us that we can fall. Jesus wouldn't have had to say to his disciples, I've said all these things to you to keep you from falling away, if there was no possibility that they could fall away. Any of us can fall and we have an enemy who wants us to fall. An enemy who will throw everything he can at us to make us fall. Which sounds pretty bleak and grim and a little bit worrying, doesn't it? But the good news is that Jesus wants to help us not fall away. That Jesus wants us to stay on track, to keep following him. And he is actively at work in our lives by the Holy Spirit to help us not fall away from him. First of all, to help us not fall away, he gives us his words. That's exactly what this verse is saying, isn't it? I've said all these things to you to keep you from falling away. But actually for us now, we have the whole Bible. We have the Word of God to help us as a, as a plumb line to know which is the way to walk, how we're to live our lives, how we're to keep our eyes fixed on Jesus. But he also prays for us. I love this idea. Don't you love it? The fact that Jesus is praying for us right now. The Bible says that he is interceding for us at the right hand of the Father. Romans 8 verse 34. Jesus right now, he's not kind of just sitting there waiting, you know, till the day when he returns. He is interceding on our behalf. I love it when people pray for me. I find it so helpful. I don't know if you've experienced this yourself when you ask a bunch of friends to pray for you and you almost feel yourself lifted up by their prayers. But Jesus is praying for us too. How much more incredible to reflect on the fact that we have a saviour who doesn't just save and rescue us and then say, okay, now get on with it, but actually is interceding, is praying earnestly to the Father on our behalf. Specifically in Luke 22, I love the fact that Jesus says to Peter, Satan is after you, but I have prayed for you that your faith will not fail. Just love that. Jesus is praying for Peter and prays for us that our faith will not fail. He also gives us ways out of temptation. 1 Corinthians 10 verse 13 talks about Jesus giving us escape routes out of temptation. If I'm honest though, I know in my own life, often I ignore those escape routes. I can think of many times in my life where God has spoken to me, where he has warned me, where he has said, you're, you're getting yourself in trouble here. Once um, I remember having a dream where I felt like God was saying to me, you are playing with fire. And when I woke up, 
I thought, oh my goodness, God is speaking to me. He's telling me that I'm playing with fire. And I knew exactly what God was talking about. I knew exactly the situation that God was warning me about. And I I noticed, I knew, I acknowledged it was God speaking to me. And I thought, okay, thank you, God. And then I just carried on down the same route. And lo and behold, later, found that I had been playing with fire. And I got burned by my own foolishness. God gives us ways out. Often the ways out he gives us is other people coming and talking to us, coming and telling us, speaking into our lives. It's so good to be open to other people, letting others speak to you, letting others uh, give you encouragement to keep pursuing Jesus. Sometimes I think we ignore the escape routes because we think we can handle it. We think we can do all right. I don't know about you, I'm a little bit like this with food. When I try and think about um, having self-control with what I eat, I think it's okay, I can buy chocolate, I just won't eat it all at once. It'll be all right, I'll put it in the cupboard, I will eat it in moderation. I am the sort of person who gets up at one o'clock in the morning and eats chocolate. I don't know why, I don't know how to stop. It's something that happens. So the answer, right, would be don't buy chocolate. But I'm ignoring that, thinking, no, I can handle it. Even though I know over and over and over again, I have not handled that well. In many more serious ways than eating chocolate, which, by the way, isn't a sin. Yeah, okay. In many more serious ways, sometimes we think, I can just dabble a little bit and I will be okay. But the thing about sin that goes unchecked in our lives is it always escalates. It always escalates. If we we play with it, we are playing with fire. If we play with it, we will find we cannot handle it in the way we think we can. And before we know it, what we thought we had control over has control over us. But that is one of the reasons why Jesus puts us in a church family, in a church community that can help us. We are here to do each other good. We are here to help each other keep fixed on Jesus and keep going forward. He isn't just praying for us, he's given us each other to help us keep pursuing him. And also, like I've already sort of alluded to, he does warn us. If we're getting close to falling away or making bad choices in any number of ways, God does warn us. He does that sometimes directly. Like even in this passage, in this verse, John 16 verse 1, he's letting them know this could happen to you. But also he does it in general ways through others as well. So for example, with Simon Peter in the Gospels, I already mentioned Luke 22, where Jesus warns Peter in a general sense and says, like, basically, the devil is after you. But then he also warns him specifically, you'll deny me three times. He's giving Peter here an opportunity to not do those very things. But wonderfully, Jesus also reassures Peter. In this passage in Luke 22, verse 32, he says that, I've prayed that your faith will not fail. When you've turned back again, strengthen your brothers. Jesus is encouraging Peter that even when he falls, he can be restored, he can be brought back again, and there's still a purpose and a task for him. As well as Jesus helping us not to fall away, we also have personal responsibility. 
It's one of the mysteries of the gospel that God is sovereign and God is in control. But also we have responsibility for our own actions and our own behaviour and our own attitudes. We have free will. We can choose to walk away. We can choose to follow other things. We can choose to give in to temptation, doubt. So some of the things that we can help ourselves with, it's not all down to just, well, Jesus is praying for me, it'll all be all right. No, there are things that he has given us as tools so that we can help ourselves not fall away as well. So some of them are the things we talk about a lot in church life. Spending time in the Bible. Spending time reading the Word of God. Spending time worshipping Jesus. Spending time praying. These are things which are the ways we intentionally pursue Jesus. These aren't things that we're kind of to tick off on our daily to-do list. These are ways in which we say, Jesus, I want you. I want to know you. I'm, I, I want to fix my eyes on you. And I am going to take steps to make that happen. I am going to do things that help me to keep looking at you, Jesus, to keep focusing on you. And one of the things I think it's so important for us to do every now and then, probably at least annually, is to have a bit of an MOT on how we're doing. Look at our own habits and think about, are my habits helping me or hindering me from following after Jesus? So one of my habits that I've changed in the last year is snoozing my alarm clock. I've been a chronic snoozer for years and years and years, probably as long as I've been a Christian, to be honest. I've always just described myself as, well, I'm an evening person, I'm a night owl, I can work and do, the, you know, be up until one or two in the morning. But actually, I, I, I was a night owl, but it's come at the expense of quality time with God over certain periods of my Christian life. So I snoozed my alarm until a year ago for an hour every day. So I would set four alarm clocks. Every one of them was, Cheryl's looking astonished at me. I would set four alarm clocks and um, each one would go off every nine minutes and they would go off for at least an hour, sometimes an hour and a half before I would actually get out of bed. And I thought that was still me getting a bit more quality sleep, which obviously sounds a bit silly, doesn't it? A year ago, uh, literally a year and a week ago, I just felt God say, stop doing that. And so I told a friend, and I said, I'm going to try and stop doing that. To be honest with you, I thought that I would fall a thousand times probably. I, I really thought that it would be one of those up and down journeys where I would do well for a couple of days and then I'd drift off and, you know, then I'd do well again for a couple of days and then it would all fall apart again. But actually, by the Spirit's empowering, by God speaking to me and me saying, I'm going to do what it takes, God, because you've, you've spoken to me, you want me to get closer to you, and you've spoken about this being one of the ways it's going to happen. So a year and a week ago, I started, I put an alarm on the other side of the room. I'd tried that before, and in three days, I'd learned to sleep through it. But I thought, I'll put an alarm on the other side of the room. And this sounds ridiculous, right? But next to that alarm, I put a piece of paper, an A4 sheet of paper where I'd written in giant capital letters, I am becoming someone who gets out of bed at the first alarm. Now, you might think, come on, what's wrong with you? You're a grown woman. But honestly, it has absolutely changed my relationship with Jesus. For the last year and week, a week, I've been getting up at the first alarm every day. And I have grown to love 
that time of day between six and nine in the morning. I don't spend all that time praying, by the way. Um, but between six and nine in the morning, I have a leisurely start to my morning. I spend time with Jesus. I spend time in the Word of God. I've started reading books again. And I'm finding that through that, I am closer to Jesus than I have ever been in my life. And now I think if anyone told me I had to give up that time, I would fight tooth and nail to keep that time. But it's not easy. And I said I've been a Christian for 30 years. And so part of my question to God is, why didn't you tell me that and empower me to do that? You know, 30 years ago, think what a mature Christian I'd be if I'd been praying like that for the last 30 years. But the point is, take small steps. Cultivate your relationship with Jesus. Take small steps. Think of it like couch to 5K. You know, couch to 5K, I know some of you will have done that. You don't go from sitting on the couch for weeks on end, never running anywhere, to jumping up and running 5K. Or if you do, you will probably feel like you are going to die. Couch to 5K, the whole principle is you take small steps in the right direction. So if you're sitting here this morning and you're thinking, actually, do you know what? I don't really spend time with God or I really struggle to read my Bible or I really struggle to worship or whatever it might be, can I encourage you just to start taking a small step? Just tomorrow, think, if, if you're someone and you, you don't really read the Bible, just think, I'll read one verse. Or I'll read one psalm, which is probably the most easy to understand bits of the Bible and the most kind of ones that relate to our experience. I also think... Uh, one of the things that's helped me is committing to praying certain things in my own life. So I, over the last couple of years, have committed to praying for specific revelation, things I want to understand from God. So I can't remember exactly when it was, maybe about a year and a half ago, I started praying almost every day that I would know I am Christ's beloved. And it has been transformative. Now, honestly, nothing happened for months. And then one day I was praying it and I suddenly realised... I think I deeply understand this in a way that I never had before. I didn't really see it happening. Just suddenly it had happened. But it came through praying. I've also been praying um, for a couple of years that I would be someone who is joyful and lightning fast in my obedience to Jesus. And I'm a work in progress on that. But definitely Jesus has been working in my heart and as I've given myself to praying that, I notice I'm obeying him quicker than I did before and with more joy than I did before. I've been praying for wisdom. I keep reminding God, God, your word says, if I ask you for wisdom, you will give it to me generously. So please help me be wise in all the situations where I don't know what to do. I've also got a couple of people who help me. And you don't, we don't need loads of people. We just need one or two people in our lives who will help spur us on. So it's very hard. If I, if I spend any time with Jo Mutu, who many of you will know, it's very hard for her to go more than 10 minutes without saying to me, how's your heart? And it just cuts right in. Almost, literally, every time I see her, she'll ask me, when we're on our own anyway, she'll ask me, how's your heart? Liz Persglove, who some of you know, is in our Bexhill congregation, for a long time, I've had daily accountability. She was the person I said, I think God's telling me to stop snoozing my alarm. Can you ask me every day if I've done it? And she doesn't ask me every day now because, you know, after a year, that'd be ridiculous. But get someone you can have daily accountability with. Be honest with God. I found this so helpful and so releasing to pray prayers like, God, I don't think I want your will. I think I'd rather have mine but I want to want your will. 
And prayers like, I want to want to, are perfectly valid and helpful prayers to pray. Memorizing scripture. This is a a new one on me. I feel like I should have learned this years ago, but actually reciting scripture out loud. I've found that verses in the Bible that I have probably read a hundred times, suddenly by reciting them daily, are really changing my heart, my thinking, my attitudes. And I think just to say, if you've got long-term things that are drawing you away from Jesus, if there are things where you think, actually, I've been struggling with this for years and it keeps pulling me away from him, then can I just encourage you to get help? Come and see one of the pastors of the church. They will not condemn you. They will want to help you. Can I encourage you to talk to one of them about freedom in Christ? Such a helpful tool. It's not the only tool, but it's one that we in this church have found very, very helpful. If you've got things you're just struggling with long term, talk to one of the pastors about freedom in Christ. And and if if necessary and appropriate, don't be afraid to get counselling. I've had some counselling which has been really helpful by a professional counsellor who is also a Christian and I've just found that that has been really freeing in my relationship with God. Just to finish the last couple of minutes, I just want to talk about what does God do when we do fall away? If you're sitting here this morning and you think, oh, I have fallen away, either in ways that people know about or in ways that no one knows about, I just want to encourage you that if we belong to Jesus then he comes after us when we fall. He comes after us when we fall. If we are his, mercy and goodness follow us all the days of our lives, even when we walk down paths we shouldn't walk down. Incredibly, in his astonishing mercy, when we fall away from God, he even turns that for our good, for those of us who love him. He is astonishingly kind. When we come back repentant, he runs to us. He does not withhold his mercy. He doesn't stand off and say, well, you've got to do a little bit of time on the naughty step and then you can come back. He runs to us, he rushes to us and embraces us. I do want to give a word of warning though. If if that makes us complacent, then we've missed something. If, If you're someone and you're sitting here thinking, well, yeah, I'm in sin and I'm not really spending time with Jesus and I don't really care. Then I would encourage you to maybe question whether you really know Jesus. But actually, if you do know him and you've got a sadness over sin and you've got a sorrow and a missing him and a longing for him when you go a long time without spending time with him, then just be reassured and assured that he welcomes you back with open arms when you fall. Proverbs 24, verse 16 says, The righteous person falls seven times and rises again. Psalm 37 says, Though the righteous one falls, he or she shall not be cast headlong. Hebrews 7 says that Jesus is able to save to the uttermost those who are his. When we fall, away. For those of us who know Jesus, he comes after us, he pursues us, he woos us back and he restores us and he works all things for our good. If we are his, he has bound himself to us in covenant relationship that can never be broken.
I'd love to just pray as I finish. Maybe the band could come back up. Um, can I just ask you all to stand? I think it'd be good for all of us to stand. Like I said, none of us is immune from this. None of us can say, I'll never fall. Why don't you just lift your hands if you're comfortable too, or do whatever makes you comfortable. Maybe put a hand on your heart. This is an opportunity this morning, actually, if, you, if you're away from God, to come back to him. If you don't know Jesus, it's an opportunity to respond to him. And if you're doing really well and really on fire for God, it's an opportunity to say, Jesus, I just want to fix my eyes on you again and I want to recommit. It's an opportunity to take small decisions today, like that couch to 5K. So why don't we raise our hands. Before the band lead us, I just want to read over us in a kind of posture of prayer. This, there's a verse in a 1758 hymn that I just love, that I find so helpful in my own life. I pray this regularly. And it says this, Oh, to grace, how great a debtor, daily I'm constrained to be. Let that grace now, like a fetter, bind my wandering heart to thee. Prone to wander, Lord, I feel it. Prone to leave the God I love. Take my heart, oh, take and seal it. Seal it for thy courts above. Why don't we just take a minute, just quietly, to pray in our own hearts. You can pray out loud if you want to, or you can pray just in your head. Just recommit ourselves to Jesus this morning before the band leader.